I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host otherwise known as the Brain Broad. <laughs> Today's going to be jam-packed full of all kinds of fun. I think we're going to do things backwards. Let's have our okay, 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 great guest giveaway in a second. But first, don't forget to stay to the very end of the show when we have stories from the road. Okay, as you know, I have a new book coming out. It's called The Wingmaker, and I want you all to go buy it because I need a blockbuster can of opening. It launches a couple days ago, so do it. Go look for The Wingmaker on Amazon. It's an awesome gift for Christmas or Hanukkah or just for fun because it's motivational, it's beautiful, it's a true story, and it will help you keep going when times are tough. All right, it'll remind you that it's all worth doing. And... In that vein, I think we have a couple of fantastic guests today to keep that motivation happening. All right. Our main guest of the day is a truly remarkable guy. Uh, Before I tell you about him, um, I want to tell you what today's question is. So what's the question of the day? Because this is, after all, Autism Answers. We may not even talk solely about autism, but we're definitely going to do the question and answer thing. So today's question is, Should you hide your disability in order to get ahead? All right, so if you have a label, the question is, should you hide it? Or should you announce it and try to get the benefits that you get from that? So it's an interesting dilemma. You get stuff for having a disability and saying it out loud, and you lose stuff. So I think our guest is the perfect person to talk about that with. He was born with cerebral palsy, partially paralyzed on his left side. His name is John Quinn. Now, he kept his condition a secret, so that's, you know, where this question and answer and theme come from. He kept it a secret for a really important reason. It was to join the United States Navy. Now, I know because my son tried to join the Air Force, the Navy, the Army. It took, he, he, he failed. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this. He failed every one of the tests, and so I put them in an order where he would take the hardest ones first try to get into the hardest ones to get into so that by the time he got to the bottom one, it would be more likely that he would pass. Now, most people would do it in the other order. They go, oh, let's try the easy one or, you know, the easy one and then get harder, get harder, get harder. But in his case, I knew it would be a miracle to get him in in the first place. So at least if he got his chances of failing happen with the ones that I didn't think he really had a shot at anyway, he might, he just might sneak in to the last one, and that's exactly how it played out. So we'll get into that in stories from the road. I did it different today. My throat's hurting. Okay, so so back on my guest, he, he, he did a similar thing. He hid his disability 
a different disability, but he had to hide it to get into the United States Navy, which, by the way, was one of the hardest. <laughs> That's why I mentioned that. Um, so, I mean, he must be kind of a brainy dude to have been able to pull this off. So we'll find out if he's also well-spoken. Um, he maintained a secret, actually, for 20 years of military service. So he was a 20-year guy in the military. That's pretty impressive. Nobody knew that he had cerebral palsy. Now, cerebral palsy, is it really affects your entire system. Um, and it's just like, it, it's just like uh, autism in that it's a spectrum of disabilities. You can have someone who can't even breathe on their own um, and is completely captured in a chair and held in places and, and, and unable to sustain life without um, mechanical help, all the way to somebody who's just got a slight uh, limp, actually. So let's talk with him and find out how he was. But one more thing I want to tell you about uh, Mr. Quinn, because he's a pretty impressive dude. Um, no one knew he had the cerebral palsy. He sailed around the world on aircraft carriers, battleships, destroyers. He retired in 2002 as senior petty officer. That's the second highest enlisted rank you can hold in the Navy. That's really cool. He's the author of a wonderful memoir, very powerful, titled Someone Like Me, An Unlikely Story of Challenge and Triumph Over Cerebral Palsy. And maybe we'll get lucky. And he'll even consider giving away one of those books. I don't know. I didn't warn him about that, so we'll ask. Anyway, I would like to welcome you with both my hands. Yay! Because <laughs> when you clap with one hand, it doesn't make a sound. Hello, John Quinn. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to talk to you. No, the, actually, it's in reverse. But before we get chatting and making a, you know, a lot of noisy fun for everybody to listen to, I do also want to tell everyone how I came to know you. So I've just released a book um, that's a story. I've talked to everyone about it already. It's called The Wingmaker, and it's a story of a girl who had cerebral palsy. And so I really wanted to have someone in that community or someone who had had you know, a major um, part of their life affected by cerebral palsy. It could be a parent, it could be, but I wanted them to be a high-profile person. And so I did the usual Google search, and I just went, you know, who's famous with cerebral palsy? And what's really cool is when you do something like that, you never know if you'll get a response. You never know if if it'll just fly off into the ethers and not be listened to or, and, or if someone will just hit delete, not even open your email. And it's a really challenging thing to try to connect. And you responded so quickly. It was just awesome. So I want to thank you for that, for how quickly you responded. You read the book quickly. You gave me a testimonial quickly. I mean, you were so efficient. I love the Navy training. <laughs> well, you know what was amazing? It was uh, the wingmaker. I loved it. And I think uh, anybody who's listening, uh, I give it uh, my highest recommendation. Please pick up a copy today. Uh, you and uh, your entire family will uh, enjoy reading this wonderful book. You did a great job. Oh, thank you. And I didn't even write that out and type it to him and tell him to say that. He just said it all <laughs> on his own. <laughs> so let's talk about this concept a little bit. I mean, it's I've played with this quite a bit on my shows, you know, the whole do we do we get diagnosed, don't we get diagnosed? Because in autism, it's a, you know, it's a question sometimes. There's people who right. are getting diagnosis later in life. But that's not the case in cerebral palsy. 
So you started out knowing you had cerebral palsy. Can you tell us a little of your life story and, and how it all landed in the Navy? You know, I was born with cerebral palsy, as you mentioned. I uh, couldn't walk on my own until I was about four and a half years old. Uh, partially paralyzed on, on my left side. Uh, my left foot is two and a half sizes smaller than my right. And I kept it a secret to join the Navy, but, you know, it goes back to your question. Is, you know, I, I wish I could have told uh, the truth from the very beginning. Uh, walked into the, walked right into that recruiter's office and said, you know, I've got a mild case of cerebral palsy, but I've got a stronger desire to serve my country. I'd like to be able to take the physical. And uh, if, But if I had done that, and this was back in uh, November of 1980, uh, I think the doctors would have, or the recruiter would have laughed me right out of the office. Right. You know, the, they still the, might, the, don't you think? Well, yeah. You know, the sad part about it is that's still true today. Here we are over right. 30 years later in, in that same situation. Nothing has changed. I get emails from readers who have read my book saying, hey, I've got a mild disability like you. What should I do? They're asking me for advice. And I tell them to tell the truth, and they're not even being allowed the opportunity to try. And, and that's really what my book is about. That's what someone like me is about. It's a, it's a story of inclusion. It's a story of opportunity. And, and I had to make my own opportunity to show what I could do. And, and that's, Okay, but that's why really, do you tell them to tell the truth when you didn't? Is that well, because, because you don't want to get sued? Come on. No, no, not at all. It's simply because the mental aspect of it, you know, physical life on board ship is very demanding. You know, going sailing out to sea, uh, living on an aircraft carrier, a battleship destroyer, that's, you know, working with the Navy SEALs, that stuff is physically physically demanding. But what was even harder for me was the mental aspect of it, of hiding my disability, hiding something like cerebral palsy, uh, which, you know, affects every muscle in your body. Uh, cerebral means your brain, and palsy means the movement of your muscles. So every time I want to take a step, every time I want to move my body, I have to physically tell, uh, consciously tell myself, pick up your foot and set it down. Pick up your foot and set it down. So that I had that aspect of, of that, and then never having anybody to turn to saying, you know what? I'm dealing with this, and it's tough. Um, it was, it, you know, you isolated. I isolated myself and uh, didn't really let too many people in. So I don't okay. want anybody to have to deal with that going forward. No one should ever have to keep a secret in order to live the life that they want for themselves. All right, so then when you look back on it, do you wish you hadn't joined? No, I, 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 I love my time in the military. I love my time in the military, but one of the reasons why I wrote my book other than to inspire others, was to hopefully have society look at it and go, okay, this this guy did something pretty remarkable, but he had to keep it a secret. I wonder how many future leaders are being left on the sidewalk, whether in business or in the military, whatever organization you want to talk about. You know, how many people are being left on the sidewalk because, you know, people judge. You know, they judge quickly in our society today. Somebody hears uh, yeah. cerebral palsy and they automatically think that I, I don't have any ability. I don't have anything to offer this world. Yeah, they uh, think of my left foot, right? But meanwhile, he had lots to offer anyway. So, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. Got, yeah, everybody's got, a, everybody's got ability. Everybody's got something to offer. I don't care who you are. I don't care what people say. 
I want to know what, what's your ability. But you have to have the opportunity to show what you can do. Okay, so that's the dilemma, though, John. I mean, so to get the opportunity, these people that are writing to you, I get, see, I'm the same. I always want everything out loud. I I want to talk about all the things nobody wants to talk about because I think that's what causes the problems. And it it costs me often, but whatever. So so that's what the choice I've made. That's the choice you've made now. But when these people write to you and they say, you know, what should I do, if they want to live a similarly... Uh, challenged life as far as, you know, to, to do something in the military, for example, they can't tell the truth. Well, you know, the other, the other aspect of it is back in, in early 1980, uh, things were different. You know, I could hide the fact that I had cerebral palsy because computers were not on the scene yet. Good point. Uh, now, nowadays, everything is entered into, a, in, into your health record uh, digitally and things like that. So, you know, when you walk in to a recruiter or an employer um, or a recruiter who asks, hey, do you have any physical issues, to say no and then have that stuff found out, you know, somewhere, you know, if you were able to get in, you know, I think it would be easier to get pulled out of line and, hey, you know, you didn't tell us the truth. Um, so, you know, there's that there's that aspect of it too. But it's it's more, for me, it's, it's a societal change that needs to take place. I yeah, agree. They, I, they, I, they I, totally, I totally get you. I totally get you, and I totally agree. I'm just saying that those particular people, they, yeah. you know, they're in the same bind you were. Actually, you're right, worse, because with, uh, with computers, it's a very connected world now. Right. But I, I, I've also, you know, I also experienced the mental aspect of it, and, and it was tough. It was very, very difficult, and I don't want anybody have to deal with that. If, if that's their choice, then that's fine. But I give them fair warning. Hey, you know, if you're going to do this, you know, be ready because it's it's very very difficult to do. And 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 I would hope that my story would change, help change societies in their in their policies. I sure hope so. I mean, I hope all our stories do. That's why we shout them so darn loud. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me something. How did you hide your foot? <laughs> You know that's a great question because in boot camp, uh, when you when you get an issue, you know that what size foot you want, and uh, size size shoe you want. So I automatically uh, said, well, give me the bigger size, size 13. Mm-hmm. And that proved to be a problem because in boot camp, I developed really bad blisters on the back of my feet, wound up in the hospital with cellulitis and almost uh oh cellulitis is awful people if you don't know what cellulitis is it's an infection that it just, it makes everything hard and fevered and horrible it's just yeah it's, it's basically blood poison mm-hmm. so i had blood poisoning because you know my feet weren't in the right size shoes so it was tough and uh you know that was just one of the challenges that i faced right from the get-go um, but yeah it was it was difficult to always have Okay, but I don't get it. Like, so, okay, so you're sitting there. You've got, you're in the hospital. You have cellulitis. You've got a small foot and a big foot. The doctor didn't notice? No. Because of the damage, maybe, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, actually in boot camp, uh, I broke my ankle uh, also. So they put my left foot in a cast. So I spent the remainder of boot camp in the coldest winter in Chicago history on crutches, marching behind the company, um, 
that kind of helped me explain some of my CP symptoms. It was fact that, oh, I've got my leg in a cast, you know. Yeah, one of those delightful positives out of negatives, huh? I suppose since they just assumed your feet were normal size, like matched, that that's what they that's what they saw, you know. Yeah, you know, and, and it was a challenge all along because, like for example, uh, you have to run, you have to run uh, quite a bit in the military for a fitness test and those kind of things, and uh, I was even assigned to a Navy SEAL team for a number of years. And uh, to do their paperwork, and you know, you see me run, and you automatically know that something is just isn't right. You know, I, I describe it as unfolding a cheap lawn chair. That's 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 my. If you've ever unfolded a real cheap lawn chair, uh, that's me running. Oh my goodness, uh, that's a funny you know, image. <laughs> you know, so people would look at me. What's wrong with you? Well, you know, uh, I just twisted my ankle. Oh, okay. You know, my feet are blistered. My yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna break it soon. That's why. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, but the but the bottom line is, you know, once once people accepted you as a person and could see that you could do the job, uh, they they accepted you. They didn't care if I limped or not. You know, as long as you can do the job, and that's really the other part of the story is when I talk about inclusion, I'm, people automatically think I'm asking for a lowering of a standard to bring everybody in, you know, to make everybody feel better. That's not what I want. I want I want the opportunity to hit the same standard as everybody else. You know, don't lower your standard to make me feel better, to make yourself feel better. Give me the opportunity to hit the same standard as everyone else. I actually flunked yeah. my first uh, attempt to join the Navy. I flunked it because I couldn't do this duck walk exercise that they wanted me to do. I was six foot one, weighed 128 pounds, and I couldn't do this exercise. So I, I had to work out for for a year down in my basement. I did that duck walk every day for a year, and then I went back. I was the best duck walker in that entire building. You but, see, that that's the thing. You had you had this special commitment to the cause. You knew what your goal was. You knew what you were after. Mm-hmm. They were lucky to get you. So many people just sign up because they can't think of something else to do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I. You know, I was just like any other 18-year-old kid. I was looking for direction and guidance. Uh, I was influenced by two older brothers that had served in the military. And it come to find out, you know, I had the ability to be a really good sailor. Um, and I really enjoyed my time. I enjoyed uh, serving my country. It was an honor to do so. Were you always this motivated person that um, was determined to to do everything like everyone else? Or was that something someone instilled in you? Do you have a memory of a moment when that became who you were? Please fill it in for us. Well, you know, that's a great question. And it, I, I, all the credit goes to my mom and dad, who who never made my cerebral palsy the focal point in the house, you know. I've got seven brothers and sisters, and it was just like, okay, you know, you've got this condition, um, but, you know, we we want you to get outside and play. You know, their their thing to me was just do your best and don't come home crying saying things are too hard because we don't really have time to listen to that. Um, When I fell down, which was quite a bit, they didn't come rushing over right away to pick me up. They wanted to see if I'd get up on my own. And uh, I think they realized that my life is going to be a little tougher uh, mentally. I had to develop that mental toughness uh, to fight face life's challenges. So 
But, you know, my folks let me try anything that I wanted to do. I remember being in the, uh, wanting to join the junior high wrestling team in the seventh grade. And they said, okay, sure, good luck. Just don't come home crying again. And I got to wrestle all the way through high school. I never won a match. Not one match did I win, but I, <laughs> okay. but I never quit. You know? Okay, I love your parents. <laughs> I mean, you can just see your mom's like probably hiding in, around the corner going, oh, God, I just want to help him. Oh, God, I just want to help him. Exactly. I would come home with mat burns and bruises and all this stuff, and I would, I would be so tired that I could barely climb the stairs to go to bed. But they never they never told me to quit. They were just like, well, how did practice go today? You know, keep keep trying. And, and my mom and dad were always in the stands cheering me on, uh, even though I lost every match. But, you know, it, those lessons on the wrestling mat, I still apply them in my life today of hard work and discipline. And, you know, those are the things that carried me forward into the military. Uh, i got to tell you, there's a theme in everyone that I've interviewed that's been, uh, had a disability challenge that's been a big success. Always. In their childhood, there was a level of toughness with their parents where they said, you're going to do it. You're just going to do it, you know. I'm not telling you what you're going to do. I'm not telling you you have to become a this or a that. But, you know, you fell, you got to get up. You um, you don't like a lot of noisy sounds? Well, let's go there anyway and stand on the edge. Let You know what I mean? Like they just didn't cater to it in a big way. And really it seems to be part of the key to success. It, it really is. You know, I, and I talk to a lot of kids who whose parents really don't allow them to experience life. And, and kids have to get outside and play and experience things and find their own way of, of doing things. Maybe it's different. Maybe they, you know, walk different, run different, have to use a power chair or a breathing device or have a pair of pro at school or whatever it might be. That's okay. That's just what you have to do in order to achieve the success that you want for your life. But you have to get out there and experience life. You're not going to learn much sitting at home uh, waiting for life to come to you. Right. And and at whatever level is the next challenge level for you, I mean, if you're so challenged that, you know, I, I tell this, this, I was telling the story on a different radio show about a movie I saw called The Other Side of Midnight. She had an accident, but it was like a big moment for her to be able to control her hands so that she could get her own chips out of the right. chip bowl and feed herself these chips. And so we're not saying that if you're super disabled, you have to, you know, if you can't get up and walk, well, whatever. You know, we're saying... Always reach for more. Always reach for more. Well, that's right. Um, and, and, those, and those successes that you point to, you know, the, that's your that's your Everest. The, 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 you know, that's your own personal goals. Those are the goals that you need to set for yourself and, and really not listen to people who tell you you can't do something in life. I mean, you can do it. You can just do it your own way. You know. Right, exactly. So we're going to, I'm just going to do this little mid-break thing. Hello, you are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teaching host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. We are now listening to John Quinn. He's the author of Someone Like Me, an unlikely story of challenge and triumph over cerebral palsy. And we are uh, kind of digging into a couple of things about, you know, how do you, how do you cope with it? Should you play on your disability? Should you hide it? What's the world like? We're just having a, a good time, really. Um, he's a marvelous guy, but don't forget to stay to the very end of the show where I'm going to do stories from the road. 
and try to answer the question that was asked at the beginning. All right, so, John, I was hoping we could hit on three things before I say goodbye to you. By the way, I'm having so much fun. So one is um, your website. I want to make sure that you tell people how to check you out and read about you and get your book. Um, And the other main thing is that I wanted to maybe talk for a little bit about if you'd ever sort of put your mind to the question of what would it have been like if I had told the truth and hadn't been allowed in. I thought we could play with that a little bit. And the final thing is the question of, do you think you could give us a free book? Well, to answer the last question first, of course I can give you listeners a a free book. I'd, I'd be honored to do that. That'd be great. Awesome. Okay, guys, you know the drill. He's gonna give. He's offering up a book. So, if you want to get it, you email me, and I have to change my email because I've been having trouble. So, email me at Lynette at LynetteLouise dot com, and in the subject line put John Quinn Q U I N N, and I the first person to send it will get a book. It's that simple. Actually, tell me one great thing about the show just so I can feel good and tell him about it. All right, so that's fantastic, John. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Um, and your website and stuff, how do, they, how do they look you up? It's real simple. It's just John, J-O-H-N-W, Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N.com. Awesome. And if they want, they can just Google famous people historical policy and you'll come up too. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> that's how that. I that's found you. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be famous, huh? Um, okay, so let's do that for a little bit. So we've been looking at the idea of, all right, people are, you know, trying to figure out what to do. The, the lie itself was mentally exhausting. Um, people are reaching for advice, and, and you're hoping that the world has changed enough that we're inspiring change. I put me in your basket there because I feel like I'm doing the same thing all the time and maybe allowing people to have disabilities and opportunities at the same time. Um, But have you ever asked yourself that question and said, well, what if I'd have told the truth and they'd have said no? Would that have been a good thing? You know, that's a really good question, and it's not one that I really think about much. Uh, I think if I would have been told no, I don't know how my life would have turned out. I think I probably would have became a school teacher. Uh, my best friend uh, is now a superintendent of, of a school district in our home state of Michigan, and uh, a lot of my friends are, are school teachers. So I think I probably would have uh, gone in that direction. But it's it's tough to say. Uh, so here here's why I'm asking. It's because all right, I, re- I noticed this phenomenon years ago when I was really broke and raising all these kids, you know, and I had to let my automobile insurance expire in order to, you know, buy groceries or something, something very, you know, very understandable. Um, and so I was driving, and now previous to that, I was horrendous driver because I had so many kids, and they were all autistic, and they'd put their hands in front of my eyes and <laughs> be all kinds of wow. things, you know, and... Um, but once I didn't have insurance, I drove with great care because I did not want to get pulled over. And I, I started to notice the, sort of that upside of the downside. I'm like, wait a minute. So all I needed was a motivator <laughs> to change. And then also to realize that sometimes when you're cheating a little bit, 
and it's a long time ago, so nobody can give me a ticket now. Um, when you're cheating a little bit, it actually asks more of you. Like it makes you, it puts you in this position where you step up to a level you may not have stepped up to. So what if you weren't in the in the Navy? Do you think that you would have had the same quality of life insofar as your CB, CP symptoms are concerned? You know, that's a really good question. I can tell you that the military uh, really made me focus on my physical fitness. Um, and I don't know if I would have done that, you know, as, as a civilian, as somebody who, who had not served in the military. So that's a really good question. I also spent uh, three years with the Navy SEALs doing their paperwork. So I learned a lot about uh, mental toughness and how to handle pain and those kind of things from those guys, um, which I write about in Someone Like Me. So I, I, I still take that lesson and apply it in my life today. So I don't know. Uh, I, I but, suspect you wouldn't have... have done as well for at least your physical symptoms. But here's what I think. I mean, the stress maybe maybe it was a washout because stress is really a you know a huge deteriorator of the body so and the mind. So it's possible that the stress of hiding it equaled out all of the hard work physically. But why I, I circle back around to that is you said something earlier in that I think I really want to sort of hit on at our ending point here is that you said you're not asking them to lower the bar, Mm -hmm. but actually give us an opportunity to step up. So if we could have it set up, instead of everyone going, oh, let's help this disability group make life easier for them, Mm -hmm. if instead of doing that, if people could just open the doors and let us try, and I say ask because I've had my diagnosis back in my past Mm -hmm. too, so try to, to meet the world at the same level that they want everyone else to step up to. And then I think you wouldn't have to lie. That's, a, that's exactly right. And, you know, that's the point. That's, you know, when I was saying I would have loved to have told the truth, you know, they wouldn't have even allowed me the opportunity. So let's let's give everyone the opportunity to do whatever they want to in life. Let's keep the standard high. And if you can hit it, welcome you know, and you, whatever it might be, you, no right. one should ever have to keep a secret in order to live the life that they want. Themselves. As long, long as they're point. willing to step up. See, that's I think right. that's the mistake society's always making. They lower the bar every time they aim for inclusion. And right. so, you know, like if you'd have been a, a school teacher, you wouldn't have had to do the physical things you had to do. So it really does matter what's being asked of us. Exactly. But, you know, so many people, you know, they, they see somebody who, who looks different, runs different, has a diagnosis, and all of a sudden, well, you can't do that. Even today, when people find out I have cerebral palsy, they automatically, you can just feel their expectations of what I can do drop. You know, and I'm, I'm a published author and a retired Navy senior chief, and, and they're like, they, they pat me on the hand and say, oh, you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty uh, maddening, Um, but I I laugh at it because you know, you know, you you come. It's just the way that it is. But we're trying to change it one person at a time, aren't we? Yeah, or maybe two or three. Let's let's get. (laughs) Let's see if we can get like a domino effect. A cascading change would be nice. (laughs) 
Oh, John, thank you. I've had so much fun. I really, I'm really glad we've connected. You've been a wonderful friend right at the get-go, and I wish you all the success in the world. And just stay fabulous, okay? Thank you, and good luck with uh, with your book and everything that's uh, going to be coming into your life. Congratulations. Well, well, thank you, and I'm looking forward to whatever that brings. But do you have any last words, anything that we haven't already hit on that you think, a word of wisdom? Wisdom from John Quinn. Well, I just say it, it, it's time to look past the disability of people to find the ability. Everybody's got ability. Everybody's got something to offer this world. And I think it's time that society opens that door and, and gives people the opportunity across the board to see what they can do. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Okay, okay, okay. Today we do it in the opposite order. Normally we have the okay, 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 great guest giveaway at the second part of the show, and we have the, um, you know, the first guest who doesn't have to give anything away at the first part of the show. But, you know, you know my show. Come on, guys. It's always a little bit different, a little of this, a little of that. So, John Quinn, who we just talked to and who is wonderful and so inspirational, um, is giving you a book. So that makes him the okay, 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 great guest giveaway. And our new guy who just called in and is a friend of mine for, you know, many years now, actually, and has been on the show before. He was on one of the first shows. Um, he's going he's gonna to chat with us for a second. He's going to help me to answer this question that's up in the air. Um, his name is T.K. Madison, and I met him because I did – an open mic night, and he was running it. So I want to tell you a little bit about him before I talk to him. You can hear him in the background. Go, just clear your throat or something, TK, so they know you're alive. I am. Here I am, everybody. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so um, so TK was running a room, and and I got to know him and actually flirted a little. Maybe, maybe, maybe we did more than that. But he's married now, so we can't talk about that. So here's the thing. He has um, CP, and you can't tell, and it's, like, not there at all. And so he's got this great career. He works really hard. Um, there are two kinds of stand-up comedians. I know because I've been one for years. There's the ones who live on everybody's couch and don't do anything. And then there's, you know, and occasionally go up, and, and they're, if they're lucky, they hit. Um, and then there's the other guys who work really, really hard. And it takes an awful lot You're co- to, to make a living like that, to run rooms, to, um, to get ahead, which he does. And it's very funny. Um, it takes an awful lot of organization. It takes an awful lot of commitment. And, again, just like when we were talking with John, we're talking to somebody who has proven that no matter how you start out life, you get to live it the way you want to live it. So, hi, TK. Thank you so much for calling in. Oh, my pleasure, man. Good to talk to you again, girl. Okay, so just so you know, um, the I was really sad that you got married. No, just so you know, <laughs> just so you know, the guy that we just talked to, his name is John Quinn, and he was in the Navy for 20 years hiding his CP, and then when he got out after he retired, he wrote a book about it. And so that's who we talked to just ahead of you, just to give you a flavor of things. Um, so like me, what, he had a very slight case? so that You know, he, he had... Yeah, he when he was little, he couldn't walk, and, and his left side was completely affected. One foot is, you know, two inches shorter than the other. I don't. I mean, it's amazing that he got away with being in the Navy. So um, it was but, probably wartime because they'll take anybody during that, you know. There you go. Or, like he said, they didn't have computers and stuff. And once you've kind of made your way through and kind of tricked your way through the physical and done all the things you need to do, they don't look again. Well, I will say right now that I was uh, I was accepted into the Navy. 
Uh, I scored a 98 on my test, and I would have been accepted. The only thing that stopped me from getting in was not my CP. They didn't know I had it was I had scoliosis, and my, my back curved 32 degrees, which was too much for them. You're kidding. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, have any idea of that. Wow. Yeah. Why did, and you wanted to go in the Navy? Yeah, well, a lot of it was just financial. I was going through a rough time when I was 21, and my dad was like, well, I was in the service. You just joined the service. So I took my test and passed and went down to get sworn in and final physical, and they said, nope, you, you're, you've got scoliosis. And I, how much of a curve? And I said, well, it's 32 degrees. And they go, no, the most we'll accept is 23, so that's too much. Isn't that interesting? And you, but you didn't tell them you had CP, right? No, never came out. No, I had no idea. Interesting. So tell me, with comedy, uh-huh. you never, at least I don't know what you're doing now because I haven't seen you perform in a while, but when, um, when I worked with you and when I've seen you perform, you don't talk about CP, whereas a lot of people use having that kind of a challenge in their history on stage to enlighten or to just, you know, use what they know. You, you make jokes about what you know. So do you talk about it now, or why didn't you? Well, you know what? I'll tell you, because I've got a slight enough case that when I did mention it a couple times, people didn't think I was serious. And one girl said, you should make fun of people. And I was like, I'm not. I'm actually have CP. And she's like, no, you don't. I was like, I really do. So, I mean, yeah, I didn't want to battle out with people. You know, I didn't want to get into anything that was going to be conversational. And, And for some reason, it's never really affected me. I was able to run track in high school, you know, I played intramural sports, I played football a lot, so, you know, with my weight training, when I started taking martial arts, it got even easier for me, so, uh, it never affected me the way it affected uh, other children, you know, growing up. Right, right. So, um, when you were little, do you have, do you have any memory of uh, how it affected you when you were really young, or you really just have always kind of been able to work with it? Well, when I was very young, I used to I used to walk and run with my hand kind of up, and my cousin Adam, uh, who I'm very close with, uh, was actually the one that you know helped me uh, break through that because you know I would have to concentrate to run with my hand in, in a normal running position, and he would say, whenever my hand went up, he would just go hand, and then uh, I got into the habit of running, you know, naturally where it didn't become an issue. When I was very young, I I couldn't point or bend my toes, and now I can because of uh, of, of taking martial arts. But uh, I kind of, I walk with much more of a limp, and my father and my mother would try to stretch it out and tell me about it, and I I just wouldn't do the exercises. So I got fitted with a brace uh, on my leg, on my left leg, for like three months over summer, and that was enough for me to be made fun of and not be able to run and not be able to move properly that I just started doing my exercises. Cool. So you got a motivator. <laughs> yeah, and then they, uh, my, my dad went ahead and took the, took the brace off. That's awesome. So, so tell me about your career. Tell me, so you've, you haven't, it hasn't been a part of any of your challenges as far as comedy. No, but I mean, thanks to, you know, my CP and the government, now I'm living off the government and sleeping on somebody's couch. Um, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Thank you for being funny. You promised. <laughs> yeah. Well, I um, what have I been doing lately? I've just I've actually been uh, spearheading some television pro- projects that uh, I've been doing. My wife's been doing some sep- separate projects, and then uh, we've been working together. She got a, a show 
she did a sizzle trailer for A&E for a show, and now she's shooting a pilot in January. And uh, this company saw me and then the men's club, so they've been bringing us in for some uh, – we've had like three or four talks over some TV development deals. So we're trying to move forward with that. And outside of that, that's what I'm trying to do along with still producing shows in town and still working the road when, when I want to. Very cool. And how's yeah. married life? How does your pussy get Good. involved in your married life? Uh, what's that? <laughs> Do you have any sexual uh, CP issues that we might want to bring up? No, I mean it hasn't affected me at all in that avenue. Darn, I wanted a juicy show. I, I do, I do drool on her a lot, but that's because she's hot, you know. <laughs> but she's a comic too, so you know it's been good. It's very cool. So, Tika, do you act? Do you think that the fact that it's just—I know that a person can never really answer these questions, but since it's kind of the theme of the show, and I appreciate you being willing yeah. to talk about it, um, do you think that the fact that you did have those—you know—the brace and the not wanting to be teased and the having to be conscious of keep my hand down and I'm walking with a limp—and do you think that having the early challenges in you as a young person going, okay, that's it, I'm going to do it, and then you end up in weight training, and do you think that it made you stronger, better, weaker? Yeah, I mean, again, I've talked to other trainers that actually work with kids that had development issues like you do. You, you do more on the mental side, of course, but guys that would train kids, and they said, yeah, weight training and stuff like that, you know, when you make them believe they can do it, a lot of times they can, you know. Sometimes they can't ever, like, like I can mask it where people don't even know. Um, but people that can't, it, it helps them fundamentally, you know, become better physically. And I know they're doing more research all the time. So, yeah, luckily, I mean, I was, what I was told from my mother was that the doctor pinched my neck when I was coming out, turning me in it enough airflow cut it off that I was a breech burst, so it didn't happen in the womb. So that's why I was actually, they said, a fully development fine child, and then when I was being born, uh, the doctor pinched my neck and cut off enough air supply to the brain to give me a slight um, case of cerebral palsy. But they said if he had pinched it for just three or four more seconds, I might have been where I could have never fully developed, you know. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But and I, I, I was the drive. No, I mean, my drive was as a kid when I was told I couldn't do something, then that was, for me, the drive to go ahead and prove people wrong. Right. I think it's an interesting point to make is because I, you know, normally I'm talking about autism, and uh, one of the issues in autism is people are always going, you know, is is there a cure? Is there a point where you stop calling it autism? Or do you always call it autism? Do you have it for life? And it's kind of a question that is interesting to look at with cerebral palsy because clearly it's um, it's a diagnosis you carry for life, and yet, and yet, with a mild case and with you being really focused and working hard and deciding to be goal oriented, maybe you don't have to have that diagnosis anymore. You know, like it's a, it's a thing to consider. Yeah, I mean, there's still certain things that I, I, like, my left hand doesn't respond as fast as my right hand to, like, when I move my fingers, the dexterity isn't there. And I still can't completely point my, uh, curl my toes unless my left foot is on the ground and I can curl my toes. And I can point my, my, my foot, but not, not with the strength that I do in my, in my right foot. 
So there, there are some slight differences, you know. Yeah, but do you want to, so, you know? But, you know, whatever and give them free money from the government, I'm all about that. Let's bring that. Um, <laughs> you know, I just get those handicapped car passes, and I just sell them for about $5,000 a piece. So, hey, we're off the air now, right? When do we, when do, uh, when do, no, I, uh, no, I've actually never even taken unemployment. I've always been very self-sufficient. I was like, you know, I want to, you know, whatever I can do, I want to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree, because so, then you just keep doing, right? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I used to work a club where a guy used to come in, and his son was, uh, he, 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 he watched me, and he noticed that I had, he goes, do you have a slight cerebral palsy case? And I said, yeah, I do. How would you know that? And he's like, because my son has it really bad. So I go to a lot of conferences, and I try to find out as much information. And this is what he told me like 15 years ago that I don't know what what they're doing now, but he said he read uh, in some journals because he went to a convention that scientists were taking, you know, monkeys that had uh, brain damage, and they were, they were uh, cloning brain cells and then shooting the healthy brain cells into the damaged portion of the monkey's brain and they were he said the actual healthy brain cells would take over that and and, and make the monkeys fully functional again he said I don't know if they'll ever do that in all our time with humans because of the FDA and everything that's involved with yeah, that yeah yeah that would be and, and the monkeys don't like it either yeah he said so he said well that's incredible yeah they don't I heard yeah alright hon so tell us about your shows tell because we're going to be out of time, and I want you to pu- plug yourself a little bit. So tell us what's going on that you would like to maybe make people aware of. Anything coming down the pike that they can go to in Vegas, well, you know, LA? Yeah, I mean, if they're in California, every Wednesday we have a great show at the Federal Bar uh, in North Hollywood, Rebels of Comedy, every every Wednesday at 7.30 with doors opening at 7. And then uh, most Fridays and Saturdays I'm at the Formosa Cafe in West Hollywood doing shows. Uh, December is a little weird because of private parties, so we're not there next Friday or this Friday. But my website is rebelsofcomedy.com, and they can check that out. Uh, they can also go to tkcomedy.com to see all of my clips from uh, stuff I did. I, I, I shot a thing for Comedy Central, and they can see my Comics Unleashed stuff. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to put a link to it as well. All right, hon, anything, any last words that you want to share? No, I miss you, and I appreciate the time. And you know, I'd, I'd love to. You know, someday they find a cure for everything, including Alzheimer's, cerebral palsy. I know it's out there. I think it. I think it really would have to do with the stem cell research. But I think if the government can let us break through with that, they can. They can cure anything. Yeah, well, let's hope. Let's cross our fingers. In the meantime, I'll keep trying to help people, and you keep on proving that it's possible to become anything you want to be. Well, I appreciate that, and we're just going to move forward. So, Lynette, right. always great to talk to you, and uh, yeah. have a blessed day. You too. And I might show up at one of your shows, and you have to let me on stage. Okay, you got to kind of call me <laughs> first, though, but we'll make it work. Look at that. Look at yeah. that. He's not even going <laughs> to – I'm cutting that out. No, I don't know. I don't like a show. You just can't pop in the day of the show and go put me up. <laughs> All right, TK. I'm but I will get you up, absolutely, anytime. All right. Thanks, honey. Okay, honey. Take Thanks. Care. Bye. 
Well, that was a friend of mine, as you could probably tell. That was T.K. Madison. We're very blessed today. We've had two wonderful guests, John Quinn with Cerebral Palsy and T.K. Madison. Every time he hears me say Cerebral Palsy, he always restates it as Cerebral Palsy or however he says it. I say it different. You say potatoes, I say potatoes. Um, I want to tell you that his wife's name is Kara Kimbrough Madison, and she is funny, and he's right. He drools on her for a very good reason. She's hot, 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 and she's a wonderful person, and I was just kidding (laughs) when I said I was sad when he got married. I was delighted when he got married, and that's because he's a good friend, and if you have a good friend, you always want good, happy things for your buddies. That's the definition of friendship, so remember that. All right, you probably already knew. I don't want to talk down to y'all. Okay, so it is time for Stories from the Road. And we need to answer today's question. Should you hide your disability in order to get ahead? Well, 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 that's a really good question. I think I've sort of played with this one quite a bit over the years. Um, You know, it's sort of like when you go to get a job, and you've never had a job, and they won't hire you unless you've had a job. So you say you had a job, and then you get the job, and you're good at your job, and then you say, ooh, sorry, I was just kidding. I didn't really have a job before. Most of the time, (laughs) you can correct your resume at that point. It can be honest henceforth, but you're kind of stuck in that catch-22 situation at the beginning. And I think this happens a lot. Uh, Certainly has happened for our guests. But I want to point out something that TK said uh, in his interview before I get into the story because I think it is a very telling thing. And that was that he had gotten better enough and was so um, well presented on stage that people wouldn't actually accept him as being somebody that had cerebral palsy. And so he wasn't able to talk about that. Now that might have been a great blessing. And maybe that's the moment when we let go. And maybe that's where the answer lies. Similar to when you get your job and you're good at it and everyone thinks you're great, you can tell them you made up that original job. So to kind of play with that and give you a quick story because we're almost out of time, I just want to tell you two things. One, both these stories are from my own home. Um, I brought up my son in the earlier part. I have lots of sons, so I don't want to confuse you. I'll give him a name. I brought up Chance. And um, for him, he wanted so badly to be a part of a big team that would be respected. And for him, that was to be in the Army or the Navy or something like that. And so, um, you know, as I told you, I took him to the hardest test first, and then we went down the line because I wanted him to be exposed to test after test after test. And I was afraid that if we started at the easiest one, it would just become more and more difficult, not easier and easier. So the idea was to go in the other direction so that he had a chance at passing. But where the story is that answers this question is before that. Because we were from Canada, and he had many diagnoses, and um, we were traveling from Canada to the States. And in that period, I started realizing I needed to get rid of the diagnosis. I didn't want a paper trail. And this is back to that thing of the computer systems that are in place now. I was able then to sort of jump countries with him. We did actually enter the public school system. So he went with a label of sorts. 
um, and got some special help in school, but it still wasn't working. Nobody liked him in school. I just pulled him out. And in that period, I did some investigating. We even looked at going to this school that would help him get his GED. And they were a military school, but then he would be labeled. And he would never get into the military. So if we accepted help, the, way, the loophole was, if we accepted help, if he went for any testing and got special treatment, that label was going to follow him. So what we had to do was find a way to get him through with no special treatment. And credit to my son, he was the one that said, no, I'm not taking special help, I'm not. And so we, you know, the story is, is long and involved, but we managed to get to the place where he and I were holed up in a hotel and getting him ready for the second try at his GED because he'd need that before he could get into the services. And, um, and just, it was just a glorious, wonderful, difficult time. And to the point where the universe supplied a great blessing, I made up a test question for him that night so that he could practice writing an essay because that had been a challenge. And believe it or not, the exact same question that I made up was the one that they gave him the next day. Like, okay, thank you. <laughs> so he, he did finally pass, and then that led to him passing other things, and he eventually got in. And he's, a, he's fantastic. He's been in for a long time, been overseas a couple of times. I've told you about him before. He's um, you know, a helicopter mechanic doing great. But he had to hide who he was to become who he wanted to be. That wouldn't have worked if he hadn't first admitted who he was. See, if you hide all the time, you end up with that mental stress and that fear and you hate yourself and you do all of that. So first you have to own it. Then you have to let go of it. And maybe the moment you let go of it, your problems or your label is the moment that TK reached where he couldn't talk about it because nobody'd buy it. That doesn't mean he doesn't have symptoms anymore. He he labeled a few of them, you know, with us. He told us about his one hand doesn't move as fast as the other and different things. But but they're at the level that many of us have problems at his age. So it's not really. Um, Something that you would say, oh, that's that CP. The only reason it's the CP is because that's where it began, and that was the label he originally had. So my answer to the question is, yeah, you'll, you, first you own it, then you lie, <laughs> and then you actually, the lie becomes the truth, and you let go. If you're in a position high enough on any spectrum where that can be true. And this has to begin at the early stages when my son Cash, who is also off the spectrum and doing fantastic, was very young. I remember all the people would carry him around because he was undersized at school. They would carry him around like a baby, and, and they would talk to him so sweet, and they would treat him like, oh, Cash, let me help you. And I was furious. <laughs> I would storm in and say, you only think you're helping you're trying to look good. You are not helping his long-term learning. Put him down. Treat him his age. So, on the theme of the day, it's put them down. <laughs> Treat them their age. But help and support at whatever level they need, of course, because that's what I always say. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. Thank you for being here, because without you, I'd just be talking to myself.
I'm spinning in circles and I'm talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.